KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, artists, and musicians everywhere. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up on the show tonight, different strokes for different folks in recovery. Radioactive is going to be passing the microphone to AA of Utah, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Fit to Recover. It's a gym that builds long-term recovery through fitness, nutrition, creative arts, community service, and they're a nonprofit that's growing in our community. We're going to find out why, what the secret sauce is at Fit to Recover, and more. Plus, Starbucks workers united Utah with an update on their union push in just a minute, but we're going to start with some rallies and resources. If you go to krcl.org and click on Community Affairs, you're going to find rallies and resources. It's events around our community, issues and resources that we think y'all might be interested in and curated by the Radioactive team. want to let you know about the Great Salt Lake Fringe Festival, July 28th through August 7th down at the Gateway. It's like, oh, what, 30-odd And I do mean that in numbers, not in quality of people. Although I'm sure some folks there would take odd as a label. 30 different troops performing different live theater of various kinds. And it's something well worth checking out and supporting in our community, especially as we try and work our way through this pandemic. August 6th, Skywatcher Leo T. Star Party at Spock, the Stansbury Park Observatory Complex. Also on the 6th, Antelope Island Spider Fest. If you like the creepy crawlies from 10A to 4P all day on Antelope's Island State Park, you can go out and check out the unique spiders at uh, that island. Also, August 13th, the third annual Indian Food Fair at Liberty Park. You get the Urban Arts Festival September 2nd through 4th, and then save the date. November 4th through 5th, the annual Red Rocks Music Festival. If you didn't have a chance over the Pioneer Holiday Weekend to check out the new statues at This Is The Place Heritage Park, I do encourage you going, taking a look at the pioneers of 1847, specifically Jane Manning James, Green Flake, black uh, Americans, most of who came here as slaves back in 1847, now being recognized and honored at This Is The Place Heritage State Park. You just drive on up there and you can see them and read about their stories. Do check that out. Something happening this week, starting tomorrow, running through the 30th, the Sunstone Symposium, hybrid digital and in-person at Mountain American Expo Center in Sandy. And their theme this year is many heavens, many mansions, excuse me, as they talk about the idea of heaven cutting across both religious and non-religious boundaries. This is a great symposium for the Mormon and non-Mormon alike to have really interesting and lively discussions outside the purview of the pews. So do check that out. And tomorrow night on Radioactive with Nick Burns and me, a preview conversation with Lindsay Hansen Park, the executive director, and also the creative consultant on Under, Under the Banner of Heaven, that uh, limited series that ran earlier this year. Now it's time to check in with our friends from Starbucks. Well, the baristas that are organizing. We've got Jacob Lawson in the studio. Hi, Jacob. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Lara? Doing well. Having some tech problems. So I've got on my phone here, we've got Kit Grubb. Hi, Kit. How you doing? Hi. I got to put you on speaker now. Here you go. Say hello again. 
Hello. All right, we got you now. And I'd like to say congratulations because both of the stores that you represent voted yes, right, Jacob? Yeah, yeah. My yeah. store was um, 11 to 6. Kits was much more exciting. Oh, Kit, tell us about yours downtown, 4th South. Uh, we had a completely unanimous vote at my store. It was uh, 9 to 0. That's fantastic. So what are, what are you asking for, Kit? What are you pushing for as a union organizer from Starbucks? Um, the main thing is just asking to be able to, like, represent ourselves. Um, right now, there's, like, nothing stopping and uh, our employer from taking away any and all of our benefits and just um, they're in complete control of what we do at work, um, how much we get paid and all of those things. And there has been instances in those past where some of the benefits that we have get revoked without our say. So the main thing that we want is just to be able to to bargain with them and um, hold them liable to, to treat us like partners. So with a yes vote, what does that mean for you and your fellow baristas at the Four South store moving forward? So we are official, officially unionized. Um, they can't make changes in our workplace that we don't uh, agree to at the bargaining table anymore. Um, we also get some some really fun rights, like Wien Garten rights and other stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, job security, things like that. All right. Um, going forward now, we're, we're heading into negotiations on what our contract is going to look like. Jacob, the Cottonwood Heights store, let out on this. How are things going? You know, things are going good. It's yeah. been very interesting. Um, ever since we won... We noticed like immediate retaliation. Like I used to wear my union shirts like every day. And then after we officially unionized, they're like, yeah, you can't wear that anymore. And you're only allowed to wear one union pin, which I thought was funny because I had just, the like, amount of flair on your yeah, uniform is. Yeah. They're either making me pick a regular Workers United or like a pride one, which I think is hilarious. So um, you can only have one pin, period. Apparently. I still wear two. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then. Our manager had walked out and then recently returned, and so she's just been, like, ignoring the fact that we're unionized and operating as if we're not. She's just pretending like we're not. So she's just been disciplining people or been, like, um, writing people up and just all that fun stuff. And, like, you know, to touch on what Kit talked about, we have our wine garden rights. So she's not allowed to, like, write us up or discipline us or, like, even question us about like things she could theoretically write us up for without union representation. And every time somebody tries to bring up their wine garden rights, she's like, yeah, those aren't set up yet. The wine garden. So talk about that for folks that don't know. Yeah. So it's kind of like the minute you're unionized, wine garden rights mean that you can pull in either like your union rep or if you don't have one, theoretically, like ours is in Colorado, you get to pick someone who is on your organizing committee in your store to basically be like a lawyer for you and like mm. disciplinary actions and stuff so they can sit in with you. They get to be there to comfort you if you're getting like, you know, like I said, written up for something silly. And they're also there to interject. And like if my manager were to ask a leading question and I were to be sitting in for someone, I'd be like, can you rephrase that? I think that question's leading. Or if, you know, they're to ask a question that I thought was like difficult, I could be like, all right, we're going to take five. And like me and uh, the person who's getting like interviewed, like written up, would be able to take a moment to talk amongst ourselves and figure out like what your response, how to move forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I recently read, read an article about Starbucks closing several locations out of quote unquote public safety concerns. Mm -hmm. Is that how you and your fellow union organizers across the country are reading that, or is there something else at play? So I think it's absolutely something else at play. I think it's just you know union busting tactics. Um, I was recently I did a podcast with WNYC, Death, Sex, and Money, um, 
And I was with, his name's Benjamin. He's from one of the New York Ithaca stores, um, actually the store that closed down. So the day we did the podcast was a very interesting day because it was the day I won and it was the day that they closed down his store. Um, so they quoted the grease trap as being the unsafe reason that they're closing this unionized store in Ithaca. But the partners there, partner is Starbucks slang for employee, um, they went on strike over said grease trap. Management forced them to work even though the grease trap had overflowed and it was like all over their shoes and it was just like spewing up and into the like ground and stuff. So and management was, like, hadn't controlled the smell. repair of this. Well, no, they made them work, even though, like mm-hmm. I said, it was like regurgitating the grease yeah. and stuff and it smelled horrible in the store. And so they were all like, all right, we're walking out. And they did it in impromptu strike because management was like, oh, well, you have to keep working. And now they're quoting the same grease trap that they struck over as the reason they're closing the store, you mm-hmm. know, and it's a very similar case for all of these other stores. So, Kit, what has been management's response at the 4th South store in downtown Salt Lake since you had your unanimous yes vote to unionize? Um, We've been a lot luckier compared to other Starbucks stores. I feel like pretty much everyone else is facing, like, a lot of um, retaliation and stuff. Um, I think for us, uh, I mean, in our in our letter when we announced, we essentially said, hey, there's kind of no point in trying anything because we're all on the same page already. We were, like... Um, Pretty, we were like unanimous when we announced and we, we were able to stay that way. So, um, yeah, luckily I think they kind of got that there's no use trying anything at our store because we're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're very organized. We're all on the same page. So, um, uh, there has been some stuff, uh, cracking down on rules that like previously weren't being enforced. Um, some people being threatened, um, people's jobs being threatened they've hired a bunch of people and like cut down on hours but nothing as like extreme as some of the other stories are experiencing Mm. at least yet what's the public response been at the four south store i know that there was a a push to have customers when they say what's your name that we can write on the cup you're supposed to say union strong if you support Mm -hmm. the union bush yeah it's been super super cool uh there's been times where we like had signs up front and people would like drive by and honk pretty much everyone is like very supportive of unions like across the board politically there's a lot of people who i was surprised were pro-union um but yeah like every day i get several people coming through and just you know tipping a lot and being like oh this is because you guys are unionizing and i think that's super cool um so yeah it's the, the public response has been really really awesome What's your message to other Starbucks partners out there who, who may uh, or may consider some something like this at their store? Um, what I would say is I've been at Starbucks three years, which is longer than a lot of people. And um, over those three years, the quality of our employment has gone down pretty drastically. Um, they have made changes and they've made some promises to you know kind of bring things back to how it was. But I haven't seen that improvement. And I know a lot of people are kind of just thinking, well, like, it's a job. It, like, kind of has to suck. But it, it used to not suck at least that bad. Uh, there is, like, massive room for improvements at your store, even if you think that, like, everything's fine. And it's it's a lot easier than you would think to, to get the ball rolling on unionization. Um, and we have a lot of people here in Utah that can that, that'll help make it happen at your store. So yeah. if you're just like even curious about it, please reach out and we can kind of talk about the possibilities. Well, Kit and Jacob, you know, there's nowhere 
in the country that anyone can live on a minimum wage job and afford an apartment, uh, afford, their, their, afford their bills. So as uh, this union push rolls out, continues to expand nationwide, what is it, and we'll start with you, Kit, that you want folks to know about working the job and um, what your starting wages are? Um, yeah, so Salt Lake City, I think the, the livable wage is 19 an hour or close to 19 an hour. And like the exercise that I do whenever someone is like, well, I don't think that you deserve to make that much because you didn't have to go to school for that job and it's just making coffee and all those things is like, I don't think that if we were talking face to face, you could like look me in the eyes and tell me that I deserve to live in poverty because I don't think anyone deserves to live in poverty, like no matter what. Um, so yeah. Thanks, Kit. We're going to let you go. Keep on keeping on. We'll check in, check in with you later. Cool. Thank you. So, Jake, what are your thoughts on that? And what is a starting wage for um, a partner? All right. So, how many hours are you guarantee? In time, yeah. You start out at twelve. I think it goes up next month to fifteen. Finally. Yeah. Because this is you know, in the, response to the union efforts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus, you know, minimum wage hasn't been raised. I don't remember mm. how many years, but it's seven and a quarter. It's been more than a decade, to say the least. Um, since the minimum wage has been raised. But in regards to Starbucks, our starting pay, like I said, it's probably going to be 15 next month. You are not guaranteed hours, um, period. Yeah. They're, they're, if a manager is telling you that they'll give you full-time hours, they're not technically supposed to do that. Um, and, you know, talking, like, touching back to, like, what Kit had to say earlier about them, like, taking benefits away at any time, it's same with like hours and stuff. So back in 2020, I started like January 4th of 2020. So I was there for a few months before COVID. I, as a shift supervisor, was making about 12 an hour. Baristas were at nine back in 2020. So they bumped us up $3 an hour when COVID started. You either didn't work or you did. And if you did, you got that three extra dollars. If not, they paid you to stay home. So Starbucks for three to four months doubled what they spent on labor. I heard this verbatim from my district manager in one of our group calls. And this is like really, I guess, what planted my initial seeds of wanting to unionize. You could do it during COVID. Well, yeah. Well, she specifically said... Starbucks has seen our profit margin decrease by 5%. So instead of Starbucks making a quarter off of every dollar, they made 20 cents off of every dollar. Even though they changed our lives, they were paying us 15 an hour. They were paying us to stay home, you know. So they decided that it was too much. They went back to their old ways. They put it back to nine. They made everyone come home. So I and everyone saw our pay get cut and we saw our hours go down because all of a sudden everyone's having to work again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going from making like 800 a check to about like 300 to 400 a check. And it hurt. Yeah. And Starbucks just snapped their fingers and took that away. You know, one thing that Starbucks partners, if any are listening at this moment, we used to get our free drink and food every day because Starbucks is like, we understand it's hard right now. We want to mm-hmm. take care of you. Yeah. And then they took that away, too. We don't they get to go in away. anymore yeah. and on our days off and get free food or drink. Uh-huh. And that's so. a pretty common perk in the food business. Yeah, food I would and say hospitality so. business. Mm-hmm. So if the minimum wage had kept up with inflation since it was bumped to 7.25, mm-hmm. there's different estimates anywhere from 22 to 29 dollars an hour. I think 27 is the one that I like the most. Mm-hmm. I think I heard that. <laughs> You're one okay the most. with 27. Yeah, 27 an hour minimum wage. That sounds great. Yeah, and uh, I think there's a, a, an overdue conversation mm-hmm. about what labor should be paid. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why 
union strong is coming back, I feel. Do you agree? Absolutely agree. You know, and I think touching back on COVID, we, and by we, I mean us essential workers, we were referred to as heroes. Everyone was so sweet. They're like, thank you for Mm -hmm. being here. It's such scary, dangerous times. And, you know, they're saying this to grocery store clerks. They're saying this to fast food workers. Folks who make the least, who have very little opportunity to stay home Mm -hmm. during a pandemic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, just COVID's gone. It's, even though it's not, you Rates know, but like it's spiking. We're just pretending that it's better, even though it's mm-hmm. not. And all of a sudden that treatment goes away. Mm-hmm. And I think us service workers understand that. And that's why you're seeing all these union efforts from Target to Amazon to Chipotle to Starbucks. That's why you're seeing like the working folk standing up. OK, so what's coming next for Starbucks Workers United Utah and your colleagues around the country? You know, we are just in the bargaining stage. You know, there's over 200 stores in the bargaining stage. We have plenty of stores that are, you know, filing still. We're still having... More in Utah coming? More in Utah Idaho. Coming. They're on the way. Idaho, fingers crossed, on the way as well. I don't get to help with them as much just because I'm trying to take care of Utah, you know. But... um There's definitely a lot more on the way, especially with I'm part of what's called the National Bargaining Committee and like we have a national contract committee. So we are like creating and drafting like our contracts and the language that we're going to be presenting to the company. Um, But they're just like refusing to bargain. So the big deal right now is nationwide. The company has over almost 450 plus charges against them that the NLRB has found merit in and are actively pursuing um, charges against the company for just various different Can't things. you just call up old Howard Schultz and say, hey, remember the good old days when you started this? We're all family. We're all partners. So fun fact, he didn't actually start the company. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was three brothers who started the company. Howard hopped in in 87. So Starbucks is seven we'll years old. Starbucks history here, folks. Yeah. Um, there were 24 stores, 11 of them unionized with the UFCW. Howard hops in. He buys it from the three brothers. And he gives every store the exact same benefits as the union. So he convinces the union stores to decertify. He's like, I take care of you. And then he ran with the company and gave it what it is today. So like all the union benefits, or excuse me, all the benefits that he talks about that he claims are so great and so wonderful were from the union back in 1986. Wow, I did not not know that. So like the... sick pay the vacation pay they're like right to transfer to stores and just like all these other wonderful things that starbucks does like healthcare, um like the uh tuition reimbursement and just like all of it it he, howard schultz literally was forced into giving it to every other store because almost half of the stores within the company had unionized and that's exactly what they had gotten in their contracts because he stepped in immediately after they got their contracts mm. So he he had not. This was back in the eighties. You're talking about 80s. not now. Not now. Okay. Yeah, back in the eighties. He he only intervened after they had gotten their contracts. And so then he convinced those stores. Now. Yeah. Oh, I got you now. Yeah. Well, because like I said, he gave it to everyone else. He gave the exact so same benefits to every other store. He's like, this is a. I don't, I don't even know what went I, on back I, then. I'm I wish st- I was I'm, there. I'm still my jaws on the floor that they gave up their union certification, and yeah. now time goes marches on and we come around full circle mm-hmm. to having to do it again mm-hmm. so what is your message to folks listening uh your your customers who may not understand or think that you're just making coffee like kit was saying you know i think a lot of people like i've especially heard it on the internet is like 
they're all kids. They're all high schoolers. They, you know, this is just a job for them um, while they go to school. If we were all actually in high school and if we were all actually just in school and just at Starbucks to study and have like a part-time job, Starbucks would not be open at 5 a.m. for you. (laughs) It would open maybe at nine or later. You know, we are single mothers and we are like, you know, just couples we are adults who are just trying to like make um, our way by in this insane world right now. And you know, I've been told verbatim by Starbucks managers that you come in and you use the company, you use it for its like tuition reimbursement. You let it like teach you things, and then you leave a few months later. Because over seventy percent of the current employed Starbucks, like the entire employee force nationwide, they're all like six to nine months old. The turnover rate is like astronomical. You know, if you are with the company for more than a year, you are literally like less than you're a long time uh, veteran, which is interesting because the trade off with having to train new employees constantly, that's got to be costly. And that's something maybe for us to pursue another conversation. So, Jacob, how can people follow and support what you're doing? Um, You know, we have various social media platforms. We have um, Starbucks Workers United Utah, and that's you can find it on Instagram or Twitter. I think the exact handle is SB Workers United Utah. Great. So it's not too long. I will link it in the show notes. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. And we look forward to seeing you again in the look future. You and Kit. And whatever soon. other stores get their yes votes. There, there should be some more soon. All right. Before we get to our panel conversation, I checked in with Chris H. from Alcoholics Anonymous about what they offer in our community as we're going to be talking about recovery for the rest of the hour. Here's my conversation with Chris H. And joining me now to share the message of Alcoholics Anonymous in our community and how it can help you or someone you love. We have Chris H. joining us. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm excellent, Laura. Thank you for having me. Confidentiality, discretion, is at the heart of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's why we're calling you Chris H. Can you tell us a bit about Alcoholics Anonymous in Utah? Sure. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is um, is an organization that started in 1935. We're now worldwide. And and um, and the, we have in in the state of Utah, we're known as Area Sixty Nine, and I currently serve the state of Utah in that capacity as the chairperson of the cooperation with the professional community chairperson. So, when you say with the professional community, employers looking to offer resources. Um, we're looking, working with professional associations uh, who want to make sure they know what's going on with AA and can share it with their clients. Yes, it can. It, it can. It, it can look a, a number of ways. Um, we we know that alcoholism touches every profession, and it's common for people to think, well, uh, you know, we deal with with the uh, with the justice system or the the, the treatment industry. Um, but, but in, in the, in the CPC capacity, um, you know, I, we go out and talk to nurses at schools. I just did that last week at UVU. Um, we can talk to boards of education. We can talk to, uh, mechanics. We can talk to, uh, hairstylists, anybody who comes in contact with anybody who may have a problem with alcohol. Um, that's what the, what the cooperation with the professional community committee tries to 
tries to accomplish. So any employer or employee interested in AA, bringing it perhaps in through the front door, how can they get in touch with you? Yes, you can email me at area69cpc at aaofutah.org. And I'm assuming aaofutah.org is your website. You've told me that you're in the process of updating it, but there's lots of useful information there right now for folks who are looking for a meeting. Absolutely. And and also, I mean, so the, the email address that I just gave you is, is if any employer or employee is interested in, in, uh, in learning more about AA and what we can do, um, the general public can also um, contact area 69 PI at aaofutah.org to speak to our public information contact. So I I don't know how to talk about this and say AA is a success without then saying that indicates perhaps a problem in our community. So tell me about the scope and breadth of AA meetings across the Beehive State. Can you pretty much get to one in every county? Oh, absolutely. In fact, there's um, if you go to aaofutah.org, there's a tab called meetings. And under that meetings tab, you can f- people can find uh, more localized information. We have several central offices that serve different areas of the state of Utah. And, and, and those, um, those sites usually will have the local meeting schedules. And, and those, those meeting schedules are as accurate as those groups that meet update them. Um, you know, but they're, but they're usually pretty accurate and yeah. Okay. There's also a meeting guide app available wherever you get your apps, folks. So do check that out. We'll put links in our show notes. Now, Chris, you are a somewhat anonymous professionally, but personally you do share a bit of your story and for folks listening to our conversation today, um, maybe you could share a bit about why AA works for people may not work for everyone but the way it has since the 30s helped so many people what is the value do you think in our community for this program well i I think the main thing that worked from uh why it works for me and historically why it's been around for 87 years is that it's it's one alcoholic talking to another um it didn't it didn't help me to have a judge or an employer or a spouse uh, tell me that I needed to do something about my drinking, um, and 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 it's hard to explain why that's so. I mean, for me, it was it, it, people didn't understand that alcohol did. I couldn't tell the difference between what it was doing for me and what it was doing to me. But when another alcoholic who had who had uh, who had recovered from drinking sat down and 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 talked to me, I heard my story in theirs, in their story. And, and, and I saw that there were people who understood the, 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 the twists and the obsession that I had that, and, the, and the delusions that I had that alcohol was actually helping me and that, and that it wasn't hurting anybody but me. And I had gotten to a point in 2009 where I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't sustain the, the, that delusion anymore. Alcohol was killing me and, and I just needed a way out. And, Many people had tried to encourage me to slow down or stop my drinking, but it wasn't until I talked to somebody else who understood that I just couldn't. And well, the paradox is that eventually I could, and now, I, now I'm 13 and a half years sober. 
Well, congratulations on 13 and a half years. Well, Chris H., what do you want people to know hearing this um, conversation about the help that is available and whether you come once infrequently or you return, that it's there for you when you're ready? Well, I want to I want to preface my 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 response by saying that this is going to be my opinion and my experience. This is not necessarily speaking for Alcoholics Anonymous. What I've what I've experienced in the last thirteen years is that AA is not for everybody. Some people can um, find recovery other ways, and and AA does not um, uh, have an opinion on how anybody wants to get sober. What what I can say is that nothing else worked for me. And what I like about AA is that it doesn't demand that I believe anything. It doesn't demand that I do anything. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is not, um, we're, we're not um, campaigning for membership. We certainly are not campaigning for, uh, for money. We don't accept money from people that are not members of Alcoholics Anonymous. We just want the public to know that we're here and how to find us. And I think there's an assumption that, well, everybody knows about AA, but my experience, especially in my current service position, is that a lot of people know about AA, but they don't know really what it's about or how to find us. And so we just encourage people to, um, to reach out and ask us some questions, maybe go to an open meeting where, where, where people who don't know uh, are welcome to come in and, and find out a little bit more. And you decide for yourself is, if this is what you want to do. And what's the website? I know there's a national one, but also the local one, so people can get in touch. The the uh, the national one is simply aa.org, and you can find all the information that you'd ever like to, to know about AA on there. The 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 Utah website is aaofutah.org, and again, we're we're in the process of updating that. It's it's um you know it needs some improvement, but but you know. In AA, we're about progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. Thank you, Chris H., for sharing the mission of Alcoholics Anonymous in our community. Just one of the tools and resources available to you folks if you're looking at recovery, dealing with recovery. When we come back, we're going to talk with the folks behind the nonprofit Fit to Recover Gym and how it has been successful and is growing and does need your help to keep doing so. And to get us from here to there, hear my dear Tedeschi Trucks Band on KRCL 90.9. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Love Promise Community Commitment, a partnership with nonprofit organizations that aims to make the world a better place. More information about the Love Promise and Subaru products at markmillersubaru.com. Hey, hi. So what's your name? My, what? What's your name? Did you know I'm a, a radio DJ, a radio host? Like for the radio what do you want cool guy bragging rights or are you currently bored with the music on the radio if your age is 14 to 19 years old you can join the ranks at krcl loud and clear youth radio is the only youth weekly produced radio program share your music make new friends connect with the communities you care about apply by september 2nd at spyhop.org Tune in to 90.9 FM KRCL on August 1st for 801 Day. 
It's a full day dedicated to Utah music and our community's diverse music scene. Starting at 7 a.m., join KRCL DJs with special guests Rit Momney, Angela Brown from Slug Magazine, Salt Lake City Public Library's Hum, Corey Fox from Valor Music Gallery, and more as we highlight local music from all across Utah. Then come out and join us for a special Music Meets Movies screening of the 1999 Sundance Film Festival classic, SLC Punk, at Broovy Cinema Pub at 7 p.m. That's KRCL's 801 Day, Monday, August 1st, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. with a special screening of SLC Punk at Broovies at 7. Find all the details at krcl.org. Oh, it's going to be a great day and radioactive dipping into our fresh and homegrown vault to bring you some music. Plus, we're going to be talking about 801-ish things to do with Jeremy Bradford Pugh. He's the author of Secret Salt Lake City and 101 Things to Do in Salt Lake City Before You Die. And we'll be launching a new series called Magnify Utah. So stay tuned for more details on that. I'm Laura Jones and you're listening to Radioactive. And coming up at seven, it is Democracy Now! Followed by Connor's Late Night Lowdown in its new slot at eight. Super Sounds with Chovy at 10.30. And John Florence starting up a brand new day for you each and every weekday at 6 a.m. You want to catch the last two weeks of any show, you can do it online at krcl.org. Under programming, you can listen on demand. Just short, sort by show and date. All right, the rest of the hour, we're going to keep talking about recovery in our community with the folks from Fit to Recover. Exercising recovery is their tagline. And joining me in the studio to talk about this nonprofit and what they do in our community, we have with us Vicki Shaw, Programs Director. Hey, Vicki, how you doing? Good, how are you, Lara? I'm doing well, thanks for Good. coming in. Pull that mic nice and tight. Okay. And also we have with us Sam Wellman. Wellman! Yes, ma'am. He's a well man. All right. That's now I am. Great great <laughs> yeah. name for, for you, Sam. You're the operations director. And I am. Uh, I am. so glad to have both of you here. We've had Fit to Recover on the show many times in the past. And I was so excited to hear that you are expanding to a second location. Uh, you have Salt Lake downtown mm-hmm. and Utah County that opened up earlier this year. Does that mean it's good because people want to work out or is it? Or is it good because people are in recovery, which is a double-edged sword, both. the more yeah. successful yeah. that you are? I think that I think that people come back for whatever reason they come back, but I, the most common reason I hear that people come back for is the connection. I think when you walk into that space and you feel safe and you feel safe enough that you can be vulnerable and when you feel vulnerable enough that you can connect with people, that's where the healing starts. And I think that that's why we wanted to go down to Utah County, mm-hmm. because when that's happening in a community space, it's really magical. And we saw that happen up here and wanted to spread the love a little bit to our friends down yeah. south. I've been around the block enough times and long enough to understand how our community struggles yeah. with recovery because we are the seat of a conservative religion yeah. and mm-hmm. that has a, a health code that Everything's would, fine, isn't everything yeah. fine? Everything's fine. <laughs> <Right>? No <laughs> one's drinks. We, we, we don't talk about it. Yeah. 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 I thought all, all yeah. was good because like, I don't yeah. hear about it. Meantime, I remember the kids in my neighborhood growing up, um, my own family's uh, substance abuse issues and, and losses and it's everywhere it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't respect anything yeah it doesn't respect yeah. anything or anyone mm-hmm. um, substance uh, addiction whatever you choose to call it um, and that's why when I first came across fit to recover and Ian Acker your founder and, and executive director 
um, had him on the show with a bunch of folks. I just wanted to spread the word that there's a gym that's more than lifting weights, mm-hmm. more than, you know, 55-minute cardio classes. It was really about something more. And you're organized around four pillars. And Vicki, you're the director of one of those pillars, which is fitness. Fitness. And actually, I manage all of it. So kind of over all of it. So yeah, not only fitness. And and I'm going to... So we've kind of changed gears. Like people know us as a gym, but I think we're more of a community center, Mm -hmm. right? We... It's not all about fitness. It's more about the community and the connection and, and all of that good stuff. All that stuff's going to keep healthy, people healthy and happy and sober, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have four pillars. The fitness, um, I think, is the biggest pillar and probably pe- what the one that people know us the most of. Mm-hmm. of. But we have nutrition as well. So, um, and, it's, and it's all about like just a relationship with food. It's not, we don't do crazy like macros or like, eat this way or eat that way it's just about yeah it's about having a relationship with food right a healthy relationship and um so we do we do community meal prep on monday nights so people can come in and cook together and just learn how to connect and support each other in in a really supportive environment by cooking food and then they get food to take home with them and And having and having positive experiences with food right yeah yeah, I mean, in recovery, it's also very common for eating disorders, sure. right? Um, and then the weight loss from using and not and getting yeah. sober. So there's a lot of feelings and, and emotions around around food. Mm-hmm. So Davin, who's our um, dietitian, he is really great at educating people, and he has a passion for all of this. So yeah. 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 You also creative expression and community service. Yep, creative arts. So we do... Um, we do music groups, we do art groups, we do open studio. We have a, a studio upstairs, so we have time that people can just come in and record songs, which has been super fun to watch people come in and just find their we voice. Had one, of the, one, of the yeah. earliest, one of the earliest yeah. additions to the building yeah. that Ian required. Yeah. Inputs, but Donnie said, I, I need to work on my mixtape, and so I, I need to have a studio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's cool because it's turned into something that um, – like we'll bring, we partner with Odyssey House and and First Step House, and we'll bring guys up to see, you know, every, everybody's working on their rap career on the side, right? And they, come <laughs> up and they, they come up, and and it's so cool. That I'm very upset that none of you brought your raps to. I, well, <laughs> Sam, Sam I like can. To rap. I, when you I don't say, want to hear me. When Jeremy, I say everyone, I, I mean I have a, I have a secret rap career. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, the community service I think is a huge component mm-hmm. for people rebuilding yep. their lives yep. and trying yeah. to con- to connect because, and I think I learned this from Fit to Recover and Flourish Bakery, our, our friends of that late um, nonprofit, which is the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety it's, it's connection, connection. Yes, yeah yep. yep. that's a huge motto of ours yeah and the community service just giving back it makes you feel good right so, so how do you organize that so we do we just actually did a big uh, outreach project on saturday so we do quarterly big outreach events um we participated in like pride and those kinds of things as community mm-hmm. service and then also just on an everyday level we have community service um, opportunities available f- for people who just want to give back or people that maybe just need some hours to work off you can come help with your nonprofit. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And we can sign off on, on probation hours. And so there's like, there's a, a lot of duality of purpose there, but I think that primarily people show up and, um, and I feel like oftentimes people come and they're like, yeah, I don't really love working out or I'm not really, mm-hmm. I can't really afford the meal, whatever it is. 
And we tell people, we're like, just show up and do dishes in the kitchen and, and be helpful, but also like hang out with us, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a safe place to be for an afternoon. And it's interesting because we'll have people do that. And then before you know it, you, oh, you yeah. see them in classes, yeah. right? If it's music oh, yeah. or fitness or they catch whatever. The bug. Yeah. yeah, they catch the bug and they just want to be a part of it, which is really amazing. Well, so much of recovery is about rechanneling your intentions and mm-hmm. your what you do every day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I for me it's helpful instead of you know the old star wars what did yoda say there's no try only do for me there's only try try again oh yeah 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 or or only intend and never act right and Mm -hmm. so it's it's like you know when when people show up like we have a lot of we have a lot of stuff that you can show up and you can actually accomplish something and that's a huge part of i don't want to to step on your toes on on the the programming part but like we we program with a really simple mindset of like, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna feel like you've accomplished something, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. Like that's all it is. It's not you're mm-hmm. not you're not going pro. You're not going to become a pro yeah. athlete, but yeah. you're gonna walk away thinking, check that box. I did yeah. something today. And that's the goal of every class, right? Is just to have people feel better than when they came in. Yeah. Um, we've worked really hard just to develop this trauma informed curriculum, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people will say, and I believe this to be true, that trauma is really the gateway drug. Right, because yeah. you're self-medicating. Yep. Yeah. Yep. In in many, if not most, are, are all cases. And Vicky, I want to talk about that a bit because you started at Fit to Recover four years ago, kind of part time. But yeah. this and became full time in November. But you've also been a substance abuse counselor for 20 years, worked yeah. in treatment yeah. until you came over full time to Fit to Recover. Yeah. Is this like a perfect marriage, so to speak, of yeah. what you are? want to help people do yeah yes. <laughs> yes. yes she 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 was born to do this job yeah. i mean were these two things separate for you for a while and then you started seeing the connection with the fitness yeah and the, yeah not yeah, specifically for sure. the jobs for but the, sure that education that you were having for sure i mean i think what fitness did for me i was that typical girl that didn't know what to do in the gym yeah. right oh. so i just go around and get on the cardio and the minute i hired a trainer and, and learned how to strength train and learned what it did and what fitness did. For the first time, I felt empowered myself. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it. So I've done a little bit of everything, right? From CrossFit, I competed in powerlifting for a long time, um, strongman, bodybuilding type stuff. Um, As we age, we can't go so hard. Exactly. Right? Can, I, exactly. can I tweet your horn just a little bit? Sure. So, uh, at least from from what I know, Vicky used to hold like a lot of state records in you got some powerlifting. Belts? <laughs> I do, I do. But and at one point, I held a national record for deadlift. I'll tune my own it? horn on yeah, that. Yeah, to, like I want you to, I want you to toot a little bit. A three thirty, three hundred and thirty pounds. Man, yeah, that's awesome. That's um, strong. But when I started competing too, it was like I think there was like five women that were yeah. did it, and now they have like so many women which has been super cool to see um the other people have found like what what fitness and what strength training in in particular can do for people particularly women so i was i saw yeah i started on four years ago actually this month um just the early morning class and like it just was this perfect mesh of what i was passionate about right Mm -hmm. it was like fitness and like i I'm not in recovery myself. I've had it in my life in different, like different relationships and family and stuff. Um, but I just kind of fell in that too, but just two things I was passionate about. So I saw the ad come up and I was like, Ooh, I don't know. But the minute I like, I'd, I'd come to, I had came to some classes. I met Ian, uh, when I worked in, in treatment, he would come into the treatment center and run classes. So I was familiar with fit to recover, 
Um, but at that point, I was like, oh, boundaries, like I don't want to mesh work and, and fitness together. So I was a little he- like tentative for a minute. But then I walked in those doors and I participated in the community and I, and I fell in love. And it was just something that I was just like, this is perfect for me. Well, I love the aspect of having community, like the community yeah. center that you're talking about yeah. at the gym, because sometimes... I think that's what keeps people out of the gym is it's so impersonal and you got to be. There's lots of toxicity yeah. in fitness. And that's one thing we've really kind of ch- tried to challenge this year. Right. So you walk into a regular gym and there's like mirrors everywhere and scales everywhere. They're and like pumping the jams. They're pumping the yeah. jams and like people just, you know, showcasing off. Flex here, flex ego. <laughs> yeah. And for our people who have lived in shame for so yeah. long, it's unhealthy and it doesn't feel good. Well, yeah. and you may have substance abuse issues. You may have body issues. Yeah. That you're yeah. That's, that's, those are barriers to getting into the gym. The yeah. underlying the underlying experience that people are having when they walk in and they try to be the strongest guy in the gym or they try to lift the most weight or they try to flex on everybody is fear. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and Vicky was the first person to say that. It's like, oh, they're just afraid. Mm-hmm. And that is also something that allows like me to be less judgmental and more compassionate in those situations. Because oftentimes when people come in and you're like, oh, that's just a typical like beefcake guy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not what we do here, whatever. Well, that, that I'm coming from a place of judgment. And so now I've really understood that that person is just afraid and just wants to fit in and wants yeah. to prove their value, right? And mm-hmm. so it's it's cool to break that stigma for people as well mm-hmm. because it, it can be a really lonely place feeling like that's how you have to prove your worth to people. Yeah. yeah. Well, your own recovery led you into Fit to Recover. Yeah. Can you share some of your story with us? Sure. Um, to, to summarize, I, um, I had every reason to be a successful, college-educated, uh, career-bound kid. And uh, I just never felt like I was connected to any sort of purpose. And I struggled with anxiety and depression um, and suicidality. And um, I was introduced to drinking and partying during college. And it ended up getting out of hand and um, found myself as a, an alcohol-dependent uh, 22-year-old living with his parents post-college. And it just got worse from there. And ultimately, I ended up in the hospital in, uh, in April of 2020 and went to treatment from there. Um, and I actually was not, most people's stories of, of their own recoveries um, who are involved in FTR say, oh, well, and that's how I found FTR because we partner with so many different treatment centers. Mm-hmm. But I went to one in Utah County. Um, and, uh, and so I actually heard about FTR from a friend of mine who was teaching yoga. And uh, he ultimately like strong-armed me into coming to a yoga class. And then he invited me to one of Vicky's 530 classes. and. I caught the bug, as I always say. Yeah. It's like it's it, it was from that point forward. It was uh, it was a huge part of my recovery. Mm-hmm. So, as you were embracing recovery and you were trying to find spaces that worked for you, leaving behind the ones that didn't, uh, was it difficult to find something? Yeah, and I think particularly because in in April and May May June July of twenty twenty, we're talking COVID. We're talking thick COVID. Like it was, it was, there was, I didn't go to an in-person AA meeting until 10 months in to my sobriety. So the fact that there was this gym who was, who, who was doing everything that they could to keep people safe and keep their doors open, um, was, was such a miracle for me. And, um, and then like, you know, fast forward and to be able to be a part of our, our COVID efforts as an employee and like understanding the importance of that from my own personal experiences, 
incredible for me. But yeah, it to walk in and, and feel what a safe space was as an adult man for the first time was like life-changing for me. What do you think's going on in our community and the country in general right now, given COVID, given the increasing rates of mental health and suicidality, like you were saying, it's come out of COVID. People are in despair and our country is in um, difficult times to say the least with our polarization, our lack of connection across mm -hmm. so many different issues. I, I think that it's people, people struggle to hear each other nowadays. Because ultimately, I think that when you, when a person feels heard and seen, um, that right there is is enough. That's oftentimes what I think people are trying to accomplish. And I think that when you go into the, the subcultures of these little groups and, and tribes that I'm in make me feel seen and heard, even though I'm not getting different ideas and I'm, I'm shuttering myself into one way of thinking and living and believing then yeah it's it, it it you get you get that confirmation bias going on but ultimately what you're solving is you feel seen you feel heard and i think that what fit to recover does is, so magically is we make people feel seen and heard and we're not political and we're not biased and we don't we don't it's not like we have an opinion on covid this covid that we just are doing what we can mm -hmm. to follow the guidelines of the sources that we believe are basing what they're doing on science and fact and we want to keep our community open to anyone of any creed, any religion, any background. It's a safe space for any human being. And, and I think that that, that's the magic of it is we're, we're a neutral place and that's mm -hmm. what safety is. One mm -hmm. of the things I think we struggle with as human beings is what you said earlier about trying to find your purpose. And, uh, we've lost uh, rites of passage that uh, have given those to us in the past and previous generations. And then I also think we get tripped up over what purpose is that it has to be some selfless act and we lose ourself in the pursuit of some career ambitions and that can lead you into substance abuse issues so talk to me a bit vicky about how the programs and the four pillars help people find that internal purpose first for why i get up every day yeah. that it is my life yeah and i get to choose every yeah. day so i'm gonna Shift just a little bit, but it will lead into it, I promise. Okay. So because I worked in treatment for so long, right, and a lot of what I did was case management, so set, setting up discharge planning for people after treatment, right? And our and, treatment plants that are oh so tiny yeah. and end after 90 days when money runs out. Yeah, right? it's like, or 30 days. Yeah. I mean, insurance just has gotten crazy where they don't cover much. And so a lot of people think, oh, that I'm going to go to treatment for 30 days and be, be cured. Fixed. I'm fixed. I don't have to do anything more. But what, what really, what I love what we do is I see so much growth from people just from the minute, because we do, a lot of our community starts out in treatment centers, right? And are familiar with us that way. That's how we get the majority of our members. But um, just creating community and a safe space to go and just be able to show up however they are. Like, I remember one, so before we start every, every class, we circle up and we check in and we talk about whatever it might be something silly like what's your favorite cereal but usually it's some way to connect and like in a in a circle up i'll have somebody say um i'm one day sober i i relapsed but i'm here 
Um, you know, then we had a, the next person say, yeah, I didn't want to get out of bed today. I want to, I thought about killing myself, but I just showed up. So it just creates a space where people feel like they can show up however they are. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter, right? And then someone else in the circle has 25 years of sobriety, but it's just, just this beautiful mix of community and connection and support that, that people gain from that. And not only that, like even with all of our pillars, right? Like talk therapy treatment, is a, there's a space for that. That's important. But it's the somatic experiences, right? That they can come in and be creative in, in whatever form. If that's fitness, if that's nutrition, if that's music, if that's art, if that's dance, they have an outlet to like release their, those emotions and those feelings outside of talk therapy. Yeah. So established in 2015, Fit to Recover, nonprofit, uh, exercising recovery. I just, I love that now. Um, You've got the Salt Lake main location. You opened Utah County in January. And you're in the midst of this uh, challenge with the Gannett Foundation, a community thrives. You're a third of the way to your goal. So if you get the community support, sounds like I'm doing Radiothon for Fit to Recover <laughs> folks, but they're looking for community support and it opens up some other funding sources for for Fit to Recover. So um, a community thrives. Just tell me a little bit about that, Sam. Yeah, so the, the Gannett Foundation partners with USA Today. I think that they've been doing it for four or five years now. Um, the idea is nationally um, to offer support for foundations that have tons of support, but maybe maybe can't get their their teeth sunk into the greater grant um, mm-hmm. world, grantosphere, as I like to yeah, call the it. Yeah, grantosphere, a small nonprofit like Fit it's hard. Covers. It's it's hard. hard to know, right? And and trust me, I know. <laughs> it's about no. It's about knowing the right people and ta- and and finding the right place to submit this, and it's all very. And so it's just really open, right? And, they, and they're really easy to, to latch onto. And, uh, and so the idea is that for a month, they have a bunch of different um, goals and challenges and stuff. But um, essentially, in, in, the, in the grander scheme, if you can raise enough money, um, and our goal is $6,000, and we have 2,100. Somewhere around yeah, there. 2,100 yeah. raised right now. If you can raise enough money, then they um, offer you the opportunity to apply to a bunch of uh, larger grants that they've uh, plugged into to this um, whole uh, deal, and so uh, we're we're in the middle of our second week. We're a third of the way through our our broader goal, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun because um, you know I I manage our our finances, and and definitely the the middle of the year is where we dip right. And anyone that knows anything about grants and grant cycles knows it's like the beginning of the year and the end of the year, and so. It's cool that they've timed this right at the right time. It gives us something to do in July as well. We'll be sure to put a link in the show notes, folks. So you can check out Fit to Recover as well as the Community Thrives Challenge and maybe help them out the way you have also been so generous with us and other nonprofits in the community. And that's, I think, the unique aspect for folks to consider Fit to Recover. It's a it's a gym, but it's a nonprofit. Your, mm-hmm. your goal is individual and communal, Vicki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, before we go, though, I want to talk a little bit about what comes next. Before we crack the mics, you said Ian's looking to find a bigger space in Salt Lake. Yeah, we've just kind of outgrown our space. We right now run 90 classes a week um, and, and we get calls every day for more classes and more services. And, you know, we just don't have the space and we don't have the space to grow creative arts and nutrition as we want to, too. So. Yeah, we're looking at a bigger space so that we can expand all of our services and, and ultimately just help more people. 
And you opened Utah County. Are there yeah. other locations considered? Um, yeah, I mean, that's in the future. We've started a certification process, too, where we have affiliates, other gyms come in and, and learn what we do in, in, in hopes that they can offer Fit to Recover in other communities. So we've done, I think, four four total over the last year. So we have people in Breckenridge, Colorado, teaching classes. We have people in San Antonio. We have some people from Connecticut that came out. Um, so that's something that we're hoping to expand too. That's a great way to grow yeah. the the purpose of the nonprofit. Yeah. And then, Sam, I understand we're not going to have you too much longer. You've been host of the Pillar Talk podcast for Fit to Recover. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so what are you on to next? Uh, I am uh, moving in with my parents. You know, ironically, what I tell people is like rent sucked when I graduated college. And so I moved in with my parents uh-huh. and that was a terrible thing for me. Uh-huh. Rent still sucks, uh-huh. and so I'm moving back in with my parents. But now, two and a half years sober, it's going to be a wonderful experience, or at least I keep telling myself that. Yeah. My mom's like, don't put your wet towel on the floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just like old times. But, yeah, so I start nursing school in January. That's that's the career that I've, I've found a passion. I worked at Highland Ridge Hospital for a long time, and um, a, a mentor there kind of helped walk me through what it would look like to become – a nurse and ultimately become a nurse practitioner and, and work in the field of mental health and, and addiction. And that's something I, I find a lot of curiosity and passion towards. So. Well, congratulations. It sounds like you've identified that purpose yeah. and are moving forward yeah. and onward with your recovery. Yeah. So Thank kudos you. to you. Thank you. So what would be your advice in the few minutes we have left for folks listening to this who are struggling with recovery or have a loved one who is struggling with recovery and much like my mom slipping spinach into my spaghetti sauce can slip recovery conversations into their workout. I think that, I think that the biggest thing we tell people to do is, is to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to, to never forget and lose sight of the fact that there are so many safe spaces where people of similar backgrounds and similar stories are there with open arms and they're ready to receive you and to tell you that it's okay to be where you're at. It's okay to have relapsed yesterday. It's okay mm-hmm. to have attempted suicide last week. It's okay to n- not have talk, spoken with your parents. And whatever your story is, there are safe spaces for you to show up. Fit to Recover, USARA, AA, NA, CA. There's, there's the Pride Center. There's so many organizations that are safe spaces for people who are recovering from anything. And I think that if you don't lose sight of that and you can do a little bit of research and you can find the willingness to show up, I think that the first time you walk into a safe space, it'll change your life. And I really encourage people to try to show up if you're struggling. Show up somewhere. Thank you for that. And you mentioned USARA, their annual recovery day coming up September 10th at the Gallivan in downtown mm-hmm. Salt Lake. And, you know, we got about a minute left here to close the show, Vicki. And I, I know that Fit to Recover is not just a gym for folks in recovery from substance abuse, right. but, you know, getting into that gym is, is, is hard if you've had some setbacks, um, mm-hmm. if you've never done it before, if mm-hmm. you're intimidated by it. What's your message to folks about what Fit to Recover can do for them? Yeah, it's just, I mean, we we do a lot of, we really focus on trauma-informed and creating a safe space. So we're not like any other gym, we're not fitness. It's all about just empowering people, making them feel good, making them feel seen, making them feel important. So just come walk in the door. What's the website? Oh. Fit, (laughs) F-I-T, number two, recover.org. Our number is 801-410-8988. 
Just just walk in. 789 West, 1390 South. Just walk in. Thank you so much, Sam and Vicky. Appreciate it. Have a great evening, everybody. Thank you, Thanks, Thanks for Lara. listening. We'll see you tomorrow night on Radioactive on KRCL. KRCL, Salt Lake City. KRCL's Music Meets Movies is proud to support the Utah Film Center's Outdoor Summer Film Series screening of Summer of Soul, Friday, July 29th at Liberty Park. Questlove's directorial Oscar-winning debut features interviews and performances by legendary artists like Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, and many more. No ticket necessary, but an RSVP is recommended. Summer of Soul, or when the revolution could not be televised. Friday, July 29th at Liberty Park. Doors at 8 p.m., movie at dusk. For more details and to RSVP, head to krcl.org.